This podcast is made in partnership between China Team and Asia Biz Stories. Frank Epping in 1995 founded Cappuccino in Germany. He is still the sole owner and CEO of the company that started with coffee shops. In this podcast, which is a recording of a moderated webinar titled "How to Participate in the Boom of the Food and Beverage Market in China," we fast forward to today. Where this entrepreneur, along with his team, are about to enter the Chinese market with its own coffee machine and business concept. Kirsten Kayla, Fabian Bernd, Mike Junkst on the panel, and moderated by Adrian Deries, all experts at doing business in China, give guidance to Cappuccino as it steps into the new and unknown. Frank Epping was in the audience listening. But the keynote was delivered by Sven Kersers, the Chief Business Development Officer of Cappuccino. From this point on, the podcast speaks for itself. However, Sven did present a series of slides before the moderated discussion took place. If you'd like a copy of the slides, visit China Team on LinkedIn and make a request. So now, without further delay, let's begin. Government organizations and business associations, or a combination. So now I hand over to today's moderator, Adrian Deries. So welcome everyone. Welcome to all the participants. Welcome to all the panel experts. Today I'm looking very much forward to this fruitful conversation we will have today about the food and beverage market in China. And、um, all questions are welcome, of course, in the meeting chat. If they are relevant to the topic at hand, we will try to integrate them into the conversation, and otherwise, we will find at the end of the webinar also time for interaction between the participants and the panel experts. Now, let me briefly introduce the experts today that are giving their time and expertise into this topic. First of all, Kerstin Kerler. Kerstin is living for now over 20 years and working in China, so she's a real China expert. Helping to onboard German small and medium-sized companies into her incubator in China and growing their business. Then, second, Fabian Bernd, who is roasting coffee in Hanover and China, and also selling through his own cafes in China. Um, yeah, high-quality specialty coffee. Thirdly, Mike Jungst. Mike Jungst is、um, promoting European and Western food styles to the. Chinese、um, hospitality sector, restaurants, high-end、uh, um, hotels, where he also has a lot of work experience around the globe. So we are looking very much forward to input from all these ex、um, yeah, experts in the China market. And、uh, now, last but certainly not least, Sven Kaisers, the event sponsor with Capenchino today, and、uh, solution offerer for high-end. Innovative coffee solutions, and Sven will also go forward first today and introduce the Cappuccino business. And、um, Cappuccino has been expanding in Europe now and is already the mark one of the market leaders in Germany for quite a while in innovative coffee solutions. So we are interested to hear about Sven's take on the Chinese market. Sven, thank you very much, Adrian. Can you hear me? Okay. Perfect. Yes. yes. Thank you very much for the introduction, Adrian. Thanks for the、um, 
for the platform Neville. Uh, and hello to the to the audience. Um, hello to to China, to Germany, and other parts of Europe. Maybe a couple of quick quick words uh, about myself. I'm a management consultant by training. I've helped a couple of companies uh, to grow, both in Germany and internationally. And I've joined Cappuccino two years ago um, to take over the internationalization of the company has been successful in Germany um, and I will tell you a bit more about that in the um, in the presentation that we've prepared um, maybe a bit about the the angle of this um, of this presentation or the the, the status that that we're in we've uh, focused our efforts on the uh, European market for now and we've we've uh, expanded to a number of countries uh, in Europe and we're at the same time we're uh, looking beyond Europe to China and other markets as well um, but the, um, the, the the status we're in we're, um, we're we're looking at China from from our perspective and from the what we have to offer we've been successful in the German European market and uh, China is one of the next steps. So we are very curious to uh, to hear from the from the group um, and from the audience the thoughts that you have about our ideas um, about the Chinese market. And we're we're kind of like uh, letting you look into the engine room of uh, of our international expansion. And um, very excited to to hear what uh, what the experts and uh, and the audience has to say about that. So, as for the for the speech um, for the keynote uh, presentation, um, I will share my screen now. I hope this uh, this works fine. Um, if not, you can't see the uh, the slides. I'd ask for Neville or Adrian to to let me know. Uh, otherwise, I will go ahead and um, introduce uh, Cappuccino and uh, the journey we are about to start. So. First of all, a little bit of background on the company. Uh, Cappuccino has been founded over 25 years ago by uh, Frank Apping, who's in the audience uh, today as well. He's uh, the owner and CEO of the uh, of the company. And uh, Cappuccino has taken quite an interesting journey, I find, um, from um, offering a solution or, or being a solution provider uh, opening coffee houses uh, in Germany. So gaining experience of what it is to be a gastronomy operator themselves. Uh, this expertise has gone into becoming a, a full solution provider for coffee solutions um, and with a vision to uh, basically uh, get uh, the, the coffee shop experience and uh, minimize it to a two square meter uh, footprint. So what the company is offering or has been offering in the um, in the past 20 years is a full service solution. That means coffee machines plus coffee beans plus technical service for several thousand customers in Germany. Those are restaurants, cafes, hotels, Convene the convenience sector, petrol stations, and with a with a market leader in in that segment of uh, of petrol stations, and um, I find it quite interesting uh, the journey the company has taken because um, you you could call it a number of pivots that have been uh, made uh, during that course. So 
basically starting out from uh, being a gastronomy operator themselves and taking that knowledge to uh, offering um, other providers um, a full service solution. And then the the, the, the second or even third pivot came in 2016 when we began the development of our own coffee machines. So up until uh, this time, we've been working with fully automatic bean-to-cup machines. For everyone who's not familiar uh, with this solution, this is basically uh, a solution that um, is very simple to operate. You push a button and out comes a, um, a, a, a coffee um as you as you want it um but then in 2016 we've basically said that um we want the barista experience that somebody has when they go to a coffee shop and order a cup of coffee that somebody prepares uh, such a coffee for them um in, in a very high quality we want to integrate that into the machine and this is when we started um, a world, the, the development of a world innovation, which is the Barista One, um, the hybrid portafilter machine, which I will show you a little bit more about in a moment. But this has basically been uh, the pivot from a solution provider to a manufacturing company uh, a good five years ago. Um, Already one year later, we started with the um, market introduction of the Barista One Twin in Germany. Uh, we have a number of patents in the machine. It has won the Red Dot Design Award. Um, and we've also begun the development of the IoT infrastructure, which is one of the topics today, uh, which I will go into more detail uh, about in, uh, in, in a moment. Um, and we've also launched two other categories of products, which is the, the Latte Art Factory drink solution um, and the Barista One uh, solo single group machine. So the, basically all over the years, the, 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 the foundation of the success of the company has been that we've been focusing on the success of our customers from the expertise that we've gained um, as an operator ourselves. So. Uh, all along, we've uh, we've tried to integrate uh, a lot of the concept into the solutions that we provide to basically help our clients to maximize their coffee revenues and their margins and, and their own profits with that. Um, a key to this has always been uh, data. So even in, in the early years, uh, we've been uh, trying to collect data about coffee consumption from our uh, customers in order to advise them, but also in order to be able to um, adopt a business model that is uh, pay per cup. Uh, I think we've been one of the first, if not the first company uh, in Europe to adopt this uh, this early. Uh, and back then we've collected the data via via fax, uh, and now it is integrated into the IoT solution that uh, that we provide. This um, basically the, the this this concept not being a uh, provider simply of coffee. There's there's a lot of a um, lot of companies that uh, provide coffee or coffee machines, but this uh, this holistic. Uh, approach of providing uh, a full service solution and having the, the our customer success at at, at heart 
um, has um, has led us to uh, to the success we've seen in Germany. So with just one example, we have a customer in Germany who's uh, seven over 700 locations and we help them to grow well above market average in terms of uh, their own uh, revenues, but also the share of speciality. So new drinks they are able to sell and in also in terms of uh, the, the 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 price they are able to charge for their coffee at their um, uh, their uh, their locations um, we are winning over a thousand customers in an average year of of course last year has been a bit special for everybody in the in the fnb uh, sector but uh, this is the uh, a good number from uh, from the past couple of years, um, and I think this speaks for um, for the for the value that that we provide uh, to our customers. So this is this is actually the the um, the, the core of um, of what we are offering outside of Germany. As I said, we started to develop our own products uh, a good five years ago, starting with the uh, Barista One two-group machine, um, which is basically, um, uh, as I said, a world innovation as it has um, the, all of the features that a fully automatic bean-to-cup machine has, but it operates as a uh, traditional espresso machine. So you can see here, there's a porter filter, and somebody uh, who's operating the machine is able to provide their customer not only with a very, very good quality cup of coffee, but also with the experience that somebody would expect if they go to a coffee shop or an, uh, somewhere else out, outside of their own home and order a cup of coffee. So we've basically taken an approach to, uh, to de-skilling and putting a lot of the skills and the training that are usually required in order to uh, manufacture this uh, high quality product into the machine. So uh, there you can see in the, um, the you can see in this slide maybe a bit better how it is set up. So everything that's been integrated in the machine is the grinding of the beans that is usually done uh, manually. The tamping is done manually. It's simply uh, here is done by pushing pushing down, pulling down a lever. And the rest, the, the milk, the milk foaming, a very tricky part uh, for everybody who's um, who's worked in a, in a coffee shop uh, knows that uh, foaming the milk and getting it to the right consistency, temperature and all that is a very tricky business. And we've, pa we've got patented technology that creates excellent milk foam from uh, vegan uh, alternatives from regular dairy milk and also the possibility to um, to manufacture other drinks from with that solution as well. And basically the operator um, simply pushes a button, pulls a lever, empties the porter filter, and is able to produce a product that is, uh, that is of extremely high quality and the customer uh, gets the experience of, uh, of a coffee shop um, with it. So um, since the since the um, well, actually there's, there's one more thing I wanted to mention on this slide um, the the machine has been 
um, engineered and designed in a, in a modular concept. So it basically consists of five modules that are independently exchangeable. And before we, we talk about this remote service capabilities and the IoT connection, this uh, is something that enables a whole new service concept because, uh, again, uh, we've taken a lot of the skills that are usually re required from an engineer um, to repair a machine on site. It's already integrated in the, uh, in the design of the machine. So this means um, a person with, with less skills than a trained uh, engineer is able to exchange these modules. And you could think about, especially in a country that is as large as China, uh, a concept where you have a WeChat group uh, informing uh, local personnel, local um, um, participants of this group that there, there has been a fault and then a module can be exchanged um, to enable very quick uh, service even in, um, in, a, in a large area. So talking about the, uh, the IoT and cloud capabilities, basically um, we have um, a, a lot of the, um, well, R&D efforts have gone into developing a, a cloud solution that is the backbone of this, um, of, this, uh, of this system and being able to offer a closed concept is the, uh, is the cloud. So every machine is always connected to the internet which uh, and not only enables us to access the machine and do remote diagnostics, but um, also since it is a two-way, real two-way connection, we can alter settings, we can uh, put new uh, drinks, new software updates and everything else on the machines. And it also enables us to what I've described um, a, a couple of moments ago with what we used to do with uh, with fax machines in the in the 90s or early 2000s. Um, this is now enabled via the via the cloud. So we are always aware of the um, of the consumption um, of uh, of the machines, which products are going well, which products could be better and how much coffee is being consumed. And this is very important because um, a lot of the, um, the, the partners that we have are roasters in, um, in, in, in another country, and they basically uh, provide coffee to, um, to their clients. So that could be a coffee shop, a restaurant, a hotel. And very often uh, the market works such that the uh, coffee shop or hotel then expects to get the machine for free or free on loan. And then the question is, how does the, uh, the, the roaster, and I'm sure Fabian, who's on the call as well, uh, who's a roaster himself, um, uh, is how do they control that actually their coffee is being used? And this is something that is uh, integrated into our concept because we uh, follow a pay-per-click pay -per logic or pay-per-brew, as, as Adrian put it uh, in, in another call. Uh, so basically, we are in a position to, with it enabled by the by the cloud infrastructure, to invoice our customers and also enable our partners to do the same thing, um, to charge by the consumption. So a, uh, a coffee shop would then basically 
pay by cup. This is the this is the business model I've just described. So basically, a roaster, uh, our partner who has the, um, the the machinery that we provide, provide them to their customers. They receive a rent for it. They provide the roasted beans, and then they provide the remote support and the hardware exchange. And in exchange for that, receive a fee per portion. So once again, talking about the IoT, um, the the IoT enabled service, uh, and this is something that I'd be interested to discuss uh, in the group um, a bit later, especially with our experts, um, because this I we believe this would be very relevant and 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 helpful uh, in the Chinese market. So. How we set it up is that a coffee shop or whoever operates the machine, uh, if there's any kind of problem, if they uh, want something changed, they basically call a central help desk that we operate. Uh, and through the telemetry, they access the machine. They can not only do diagnostic, but also um, solve a lot of the issues, the majority of the issues, uh, as a matter of fact. And if they're able to do so, Basically, the, the service case is closed. And only in the case of a hardware defect, um, a module um, a module pickup, a module exchange would have to be ordered. So the defect module gets picked up by a light engineer service, is then consolidated at the partner's warehouse, and centrally, the uh, modules are repaired and come back as good as new. And then the, um, the, 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 the local unit basically exchanges the module in the field. This is a very lean and uh, unique way to, to, service, uh, to service the machines, which is basically enabled by, um, by the cloud and IoT. Mm. Sorry, again, going back to the, to the slide here. Yeah, so before we, we, we come to a close, we are, of course, challenging uh, ourselves uh, with, a, with a Chinese market. We have, uh, I mentioned the, um, the, the milk technology that we have, the, the standalone unit, um, which we did not talk about um, as much just now, but basically the this machine in the middle in the middle is not only the integrated in the in the barista one it is the same technology but is also available as a standalone unit and this is capable of dispensing two drink types uh, at the same time so it could be for example there are two containers inside so it could be uh, regular milk and a cold brew or an iced coffee this is very popular uh, in Germany now and in Europe, and it basically dispenses uh, cold, uh, cold um, iced coffee in a first phase and a layer of cold milk foam on top, which is a which is a unique drink and hugely popular. And basically now we are asking ourselves uh, what trends uh, in the Chinese market we could um, uh, we could address. We are able to um, to cover with the technology we have and help operators to um, improve consistency and quality of the products that they offer. And there's there's this um, 
this uh, this milk top um, uh, tea that we've been discussing, where we are currently um, contemplating to experiment with, uh, with with this type of drink. So we are expecting samples uh, of that. But basically, we are looking to um, provide well cover trends um, in the Chinese market with uh, with machine assistance and help uh, automating um, these to, in order to improve quality and consistency. And we'd be very interested to hear from the audience as well um, in terms of what kind of products and, and the experts from the panel, what kind of products are trending in the market and could be an opportunity to support with the uh, with the technology that we that we offer. So uh, th this was a quick introduction about what we do, what um, what we have planned to do, and uh, now I'm basically looking forward to a discussion uh, with the experts and and the audience uh, about the um, about the trends in the Chinese market and the opportunities and possibilities that we see uh, in the coffee market, but also in the uh, broader F&B uh, market. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for this, yes, very interesting uh, introduction, Sven. I think uh, a lot of members in the audience from the hospitality and also the coffee and food and beverage sectors will already have a lot of questions towards your innovative solution in terms of the modularity of the um, solution and also the IoT connection. I think um, after this interesting introduction, we can now dive into the Chinese market with our together with our experts. Uh, I would like to start uh, to forward a question towards Fabian, um, especially about the potential business opportunities and customer groups he sees for Cappuccino. Um, we saw already a little bit about your business model, uh, how you work together in, in international markets with um, roasteries. Uh, Fabian himself being a roaster, roaster um, how do you see um, the, or like, who are your typical customers for your coffee um, and what do you think are good uh, partners, potential partners for Cappuccino in China, Fabian? Um, yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, I think the Chinese coffee market is, is still quite new and is um, continuously developing in new directions. Um, Especially for Cappuccino, I see uh, there is a demand for this kind of um, solution-based coffee uh, company. Um, we are usually importing green beans from Germany to China and roast basically coffee beans for the market and then uh, have B2C uh, sales and B2B sales. But uh, we don't have our own proprietary um, machines who actually enable us to target the really big customers where uh, a machine like this would basically um, enable the customer to have a very standardized uh, product in all their stores. So there I see the uh, quite a niche uh, market positioning for Cappuccino. Yes, very interesting. And the, the type of bars can, or like cafes, can you tell us a little bit about the coffee culture in China, about the type of bars and restaurants that are coming up where coffee, coffee is consumed at the moment? What do Chinese people maybe um, attach to drinking a cup of coffee or why do they drink a cup of coffee in your point of view at the moment in the market? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, so first of all, uh, as we all know, China is so huge, so you cannot say China in general, right? So I would yes, say 
<laughs> the areas where where Chinese people drink coffee are the the bigger cities, right? Like Shenzhen, Shanghai, Beijing, Guangzhou, the first tier cities, basically. Um, and there, uh, also, this market is is changing a lot. Uh, I mean, we are here, uh, yeah, four and a half years now. And uh, when we came, the coffee market was quite different than it is now. You can see uh, back then um, only, let's say, coffee lovers or people who came from uh, back from overseas or had some some uh, connection to to Western culture, I would say, who had the habit of drinking coffee. And now you can really see, um, yeah, how let's say new coffee people uh, uh, rising in this market. And um, of course, this also shows in the in the in the way. Uh, coffee shops pop up everywhere, and um, yes. China is very, um, how to say, Chinese, Chinese people like to take opportunities. So there are so many coffee shops everywhere, and some of them are gone quickly again, but then a new one opens up. So, um, yeah, it's a very diverse market already, I would say. Very interesting. So it sounds like there's a lot of grow, a lot of new demand also from the Chinese consumers in the Chinese market and, and which type of, and you mentioned there's a lot of different type of coffees coming up and a lot of uh, entre entrepreneurial spirit in, in the Chinese coffee market. Um, which kind of uh, coffee um, providers or cof cafes, coffee shops do you see have a lot of success at the moment um, and yeah, in the terms of business model or terms of positioning? Yeah, I think uh, the most coffee is consumed. Um, I, I, I don't have the exact numbers, but definitely the hotel industry is still huge because oh. um, they have free coffee for breakfast. So even though maybe many of their customers would normally not drink coffee, but because it's included in the breakfast, so there's a high uh, coffee consumption in hotels. Um, and then um, it's not the same as we have in, in Europe or in Germany in particular that you have all the bakeries or basically every, every restaurant uh, probably has a decent coffee consumption. This I would say you don't have here. Uh, Shanghai is a little bit uh, special and Beijing also there you have it a little bit more that also bakeries have a good coffee consumption sometimes. But uh, mm -hmm. I can say here from, from South China, from Guangzhou or Shenzhen, um, if you have a bakery, there's very little coffee sold. Uh, it's more like the, the South, Southern China, um, Hong Kong tea, milk tea type of beverage, what is consumed with the, with the bakery goods. Um, so basically uh, hotels and then uh, yeah, specialty coffee businesses, like coffee okay. shops who focus on producing coffee. Thank you, Fabian. So very interesting. So it seems like the Chinese coffee consumer still really goes to the places where he knows that are for coffee and in his mind these are for coffee and not maybe in a bakery where coffee is a side product. Um, so, but we also heard from you that uh, hotels are becoming a place where uh, Chinese increasingly drink tea. And of course, luckily today with Mike, we got a true expert in the hotel and the hospitality sector in, in China. Mike has been consulting a variety of um, hospitality and hotels in, in China with uh, Western food and beverage solutions. And Mike, uh, can you also share us a little bit of your experience, how hotels are reacting or already maybe demanding coffee solutions from you? Um, I think um, most of the hotel, you have this uh, first, hello everyone. Um, I think the demand for solution is uh, especially for that hotel interesting who, who don't have any uh, um, traditional coffee culture. So if you go to a five-star hotel, maybe an international brand like Marriott Group or Shangri-La, this culture exists because the people 
who are working there mostly living up that culture of having coffee and having westernized products in general. So you, you're going to have a, a lot of hotel, also five-star sectors, what is really has, uh, has no attachment when, with any kind of Western culture. It's basically local brands, right? And mm-hmm. over there, even uh, the highest position uh, of a CEO or owner himself wouldn't even drink a coffee. But as the population is, uh, is very young and getting into the direction of the consumption of coffee and Western food in general, so I see a huge opportunity for, uh, for this kind of coffee solutions because over there, there's simply, I don't know, I'll just say a number, it might be thousands of hotels where the demand of coffee is there right now, but the operator, the hotel operator don't know how to handle it. So simply speaking, you just have to walk into the door and let them know that coffee isn't so abstract and complicated as you maybe think. Because the traditional coffee shop on the street, you see the people pouring with the hot water and the operator already gets scared of just seeing that because he thinks he might have to hire just someone pouring water over, uh, over ground beans. So I think, uh, I think there's a huge market. Uh, I think right now uh, the market Fabian has is possibly the one who is knowing a little bit about coffee. So I think the other 99% I think it's a, it's a good target group to have. So there is also in the hospitality or in the hotel sector, it seems to be a lot of growth opportunity towards coffee. You also mentioned the different types of uh, hotel owner persona, like the large international chains, and then the maybe more Chinese-led and Chinese-managed, uh, maybe not so large chains. Uh, how do you see in terms of like of your customer clientele do you serve both of these groups and how do you see the developments in the markets uh, what is new in the hotel sector or, or who are the hotels that you are serving uh, because it's i think also interesting uh, for the audience to hear a little bit about your uh, business uh can you just i think you put two questions together can, the, the Yes. Uh, so, um, do do you serve both, like the large international chains and the and the maybe smaller Chinese managed um, hotel chains? And where do you see a change in the market, or what are the market developments at the moment? Um, so, back to uh, what I mentioned before. I think uh, we're focusing on everyone who has no clue about Western food, and in that regard, also no clue about coffee. Uh, and how to serve coffee. So we're trying to target this kind of chains. And in fact, um, these are actually uh, much bigger chains. You have your hotel chains who maybe having a thousand hotels and you never even heard about them because they're not into your, how to say, you're not surrounded with that market, right? Yes. So you're surrounded with this traditional Western market and traditional brands, but there's so many hotels um, you would not even recognize but they exist to thousands and all of them have lobbies. All of them are serving already tea of some kind. All of them are serving a, a breakfast, what goes more into the congee and some dumpling uh, direction. What's completely fine, but they all want to kind of improve. Everyone wants continuously upgrading uh, because the competition is so high. So you have every day somebody is coming up, uh, uh, building another hotel brand and everybody can not compete anymore with the rooms because they're already getting pretty. They are at their max of being pretty and they're optimized pretty much as well. So what is the next step? You have to go possibly into 
uh, into the food and beverage experience, but then that becomes much more complicated because you can buy a hardware room and make it look pretty for people to stay in your hotel. But then if it comes to make the same for food, you need a solution. So you need a product solution and you need a equipment solution that maybe the people who served breakfast before are the same now who serve lunch, dinner, and make a coffee because nobody is actually willing to hire now an F&B brigade where you're having now an army of people serving great coffee and food. So there is definitely, uh, these people have no, no choice than solutions and also their space is very limited. So they're not going to give up a room just to make better food, in fact. It's going to be the opposite. They rather will and want to have another room they can sell and try to keep everything as tight as possible. Mm. Thank you. So uh, that sounds also that like the hotel sector has a lot of need for innovative solutions. And uh, also we heard from Fabian already a lot of uh, yeah, new developments and new growth in the coffee sector. So Kerstin, you've been dealing with the German companies, I think, for nearly all your professional life uh, in, in China. When, when a German company has such an, a market opportunity or a market potential in, in China, and what do you usually advise German companies uh, to take as a first steps when looking to explore and uh, looking to access uh, these market opportunities in China, Kerstin? Thank you, Adrian. I generally advise more or less all companies the same. Two things. Be open-minded, but do your homework, just like you would in Germany. The opportunities are there, and as much as they are fantastic, don't get either completely carried away and forget about due diligence that can happen. Um, at the same time, don't reject any potential business partners just because they were not on your first list. As Mike just mentioned, there may be companies, there may be hotel chains that you have never heard about and that they are there, they could be your perfect uh, business partners. And another point that I usually advise everyone, especially in the beginning, because it gets mowed under later in the process, there is a general misconception that contracts don't count for much in China. This is completely untrue. Write agreements down and let a lawyer look at and check your contracts before you sign them. This will be one of the best investments you make. And let it be a lawyer who has offices in China. Same goes for tax consultants. This may sound very basic, but I've seen a lot of people completely forgetting about it. There is a um, rule of law also in China. And if you don't have your contracts and your agreements and your IP protection in place, then there is little you can do about it. In that way, it's not that different from Germany. Thank you very much, Kerstin. So I think the, the three takeaways, uh, Cappuccino or any German company also listening now uh, to us uh, about the Chinese market is do your research just as in any other market. Be open-minded towards the diverse possibilities in the market. And with all this opportunity in mind, still write down your agreements with your partners and uh, be on a solid legal base also in form, written form in China. So actually uh, very similar to 
to uh, the, the European market, one might think. But of course, the Chinese market has a lot of different cultural uh, differences. And one question we got from the audience from Philip Conta is um, what kind of coffee is most commonly consumed? And I think uh, I'm, I'm gladly handing that question over to Fabian as he is uh, uh, closest to the heartbeat of the Chinese consumer in, in, in that sense. Um, Fabian, what do you think is the normal type of coffee in China and is it similar to Europe? Do Chinese people maybe prefer the coffee a little bit different? Do they not like the bitterness too much? Uh, what are your experiences? Um, it is definitely uh, a, yeah, a little bit too, quite a bit different uh, to our coffee market. Uh, first of all, I, at least five years ago when I left Germany, we didn't have many cold coffee beverages. Of course, you can find in some specialty coffee shops some cold brew or something. But in, in, in China, it's very common to have an iced Americano, an iced latte and so on. So basically a lot of uh, cold coffee drinks. Um, the, I think the best seller, at least here in, in, in southern China, is uh, coffee with milk. So you have the cappuccino, you have the latte. So basically, um, yeah, have milk in the coffee to, uh, I think it might also be part of um, the, the night char, like the, the milk tea, what they have here a lot. So I think it's a little bit closer to that beverage maybe as well. Um, not much sugar in the coffee. Um, and in general, I would say the, the, the coffee quality or the, the knowledge from the very normal coffee drinking consumer in China is actually uh, way higher than we have it in, in, in Germany or Europe. Um, because they, they didn't have this very long habit of drinking coffee every day. So the people now starting uh, with coffee, uh, uh, many of them are actually really interested in it. So they spend some effort researching about it. And there are so many coffee competitions here, so many, um, and there's a certi uh, specific certification you can get as a, uh, in the coffee industry, what is a Q-grader, for example. And I think there's probably like 100 times more Q-graders in China than we have in Germany, like a couple of thousand in China already. So the, the knowledge and the, the general, um, um, how to say, the general uh, expectation of the, the, the product is higher than in Germany. Okay, Th that uh, yeah. definitely uh, yeah. takeaways, I think, for Sven as well. <laughs> yeah, I, w I was just going to, uh, to jump onto that one. Fabian, you mentioned the popularity of, uh, of milk-based uh, coffee drinks. Um, how do you see the uh, because we see a, a huge trend now in Europe in terms of not plant-based milk alternatives? Uh, how is that? How is your perception of that in China? Um, yeah, it's also also coming. It's uh, the whole vegan and plant-based um, development of uh, in Europe uh, is happening in China. Uh, it's not there yet, but I would say most of the yeah better coffee shops definitely have a plant-based plant-based option as well. Um, Oatly is very famous here, like they did a very good market entry and do always have the biggest um, exhibition booth on the, on the, if there's an exhibition related to this. So um, they're definitely very popular already, but there are also many other ones, many Australian ones, uh, some Italian ones, a lot of plant-based options already. Okay, so we heard already like a very high quality of coffee is demanded and uh, also milk solutions, uh, also vegan milk solutions are in common in the Chinese market. Um, there's one more question from the audience from Alice, but I would like to put that at the end of the um, discussion because I think it would open a total new topic. Um, but let's focus, uh, let's keep focused on the different uh, coffee solutions in, in China. 
um, milk-based and uh, also in, in terms of the modularity and what the cappuccino machines can do, Sven, um, now, now that we heard the demand in the market, how do you think your, or like uh, maybe you want to uh, also look back on the information that we just got and uh, how, how do you think your machine can potentially fit in? Because we already saw a little bit in the presentation how you have various different USPs um, with your machine in terms of your milk capability, but also in terms of the um, labor um, de-skilling, as you, as you called it, as a push of the bottom uh, of a machine. Um, what do you think uh, you can bring into the Chinese market and how can your offering potentially be adapted to the Chinese market or fit in? So um, I think the... I don't want to say we we've been um, surprised by the by the development, but uh, uh, the we certainly see that the capabilities of the of the machines to deal with uh, dairy uh, non-dairy alternatives to milk to deal with different types of drinks such as as I mentioned cold brew, I mentioned tea, I mentioned uh, iced coffee. Um, and, and and to to deal with two types of um, drinks simultaneously is certainly something that we've seen sparks a lot of interest and a lot of innovation is coming out of that. So we have partners in 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 other countries who come up with their own ideas of how they want to use our products um, and and combine that. And so I'm thinking that um, the, the 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 potential. Could be big, uh, could be big, um, and you mentioned the, um, the 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 de-skilling part as well. So, so basically, the we've what we've what we've learned in the past 25 years is that uh, we want to um, put the experience of the uh, of the of the customer, so the person who buys the the drink first, and we've a lot of that we've integrated into the, the machinery, and uh, I think that's. Um, that that's part of the value proposition to offer the barista serve coffee from an untrained barista um, to have this end-to-end -end control of the quality through the cloud and IoT. So to make sure that the quality is always consistent whenever you see a machine, you're sure that um, of the quality that will come out of it. It's a, it's a huge, um, huge thing. So I'm thinking um, that... Um, Yeah, that, that 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 there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of opportunities. Mm, th thank you very much, um, Fabian. Uh, li listening now to uh, to Sven about the about the de-skilling of or about the potential coffee solutions uh, with the cappuccino machines. How do you think uh, it can fit into the yeah, Chinese coffee coffee landscape? Landscape. Do you think there are more modifications needed? Um, to, to the machines, um, or how do you see them in a Chinese typical Chinese cafe? Mm. Um, yeah, as I a little bit said it in the beginning, I think there's a very specific market where this machine is interesting. For um, good coffee shops who have a good coffee consumption and they have, um, in general, very well-trained baristas, because uh, there are so many educated coffee people already, um, I think there is a little bit less demand for it because they, they know their, their, their craftsmanship themselves, right? So to uh, get a barista to use a more automated mach automated machine, um, I think there's, I mean, can still work, but it's not the, the biggest value. I really see it more for 
the bigger chain companies who basically uh, almost from the from the from the raw uh, also this especially coffee shops they have all their own ideas you know it's like they the passion is only about the coffee and they probably want to change the beans every two weeks and so on I think it's going to be a very tough customer actually like we we experienced that for ourselves um, so I think the the better customer will be someone who is um, who sees the benefit of not having the extra training for the for the barista or for the uh, for the people who will operate the machines and also someone who uh, focuses more on scaling opening many shops have the same uh, quantity uh, quality in all their shops uh, like a copy and paste solution I think um, yeah. that is a, definitely the the should be the focus customer okay so so potentially someone with maybe 10 or plus 10, a little bit more than 10 cafes already in China looking to expand, looking to implement a modular solution in, in China in all their cafes. And what do you think, Fabian, about the IoT capability that uh, Sven also already presented? Is that something common in China for a cafe? Do you think that is something that might get adopted uh, by Chinese cafes? Again, it depends on what customer. If it's a big customer... Okay. There, the transparency it will uh, generate for the customer, like the, how how uh, how easy it will be to track actually how much product you have output, cost controlling, all this kind of stuff. Uh, what matters more to bigger places? If you have a small coffee shop or, or owner who has two or three coffee shops, he can run the numbers by himself. Probably he will still be in one of his shops every day. You know, there I don't see the big value. But for for bigger uh, chains, again, yes, for sure, and also that you can uh, quicker repair uh, from the distance or do some kind of uh, analysis, what might be the problem, all this kind of stuff, for sure it's uh, useful yep. for IoT. Okay. Mike, um, the, I, I want to, what experience I want to do you have? Yes, yes, please. Yeah, for the, um, I also have the experience, there's actually also a lot of hotels who maybe are single hotels, they're not a chain, and they're actually, um, They're buying this very fancy, very beautiful coffee machine. And then in order to out, uh, use that machine, you have to hire someone uh, to operate that machine. But actually, there is no return on investment never for that hotel to actually you buy the expensive machine. And then you have to buy slash an expensive labor to operate that machine. So um, I think... They don't know better. So the first thing you go, you go to a, a cool coffee shop on the street. You like the coffee and they say, oh, somebody sells you the machine. I'm going to say, if you want a good coffee, you have to buy that machine. If not, uh, it's not going to work. So I saw a lot of hotels who have these pretty machines, even five-star hotels in Shenzhen. And I don't want to mention any names. They they have pretty machines. and uh, But when you drink the coffee, the quality is uh, is not what you would expect compared to the room rate and to the rates in general. So no one goes to a hotel and has a coffee. Uh, so I think maybe cappuccino can change that. <laughs> so I think the okay. yeah. In interesting. And what would be your impression of, of your customers? Uh, would they be open, especially maybe the large chains, to a IoT solution that is also um, able to track their coffee and track uh, in the end also their, their payment that they... Uh, for that, yeah, I, I think I, I think absolutely because the uh, also the research and development, like same was with us. We are not just providing some finished food products. We also uh, develop the menus with them, and then going through the costing with them, uh, even tell them for how much they sell it. 
and it becomes basically a financial model. It's not anymore just a product. So you model everything out and scale it in the way that it becomes just a little piece of investment in your store. And in order to make that happen, you need that numbers and that data to, to support that. If I would just give them that numbers, but you have a manual machine, that would be just numbers. Nobody can get back to it. So I think uh, absolutely, uh, even like big uh, hotel chains like Marriott, uh, they're all looking for centralized purchasing, centralized menu writing. They're going to be less and less chefs who are going to operate their kitchen in terms of creativity and menu development. It's going to be all done somewhere. Uh, maybe a little bit like McDonald's who develop their menus somewhere in, in the States for the whole world and just send it out. And I think uh, that's the direction everyone is going here as well. And it's, I think the main reason is there's just not enough people who want to do their jobs in the first place. So I don't think so. It's only a money matter. I think okay. it's just not enough labor. Thank, thank you, Mike. Uh, Kerstin, you, you're raising your hand. Um, do you have experience with uh, yeah, maybe also already introducing IoT solutions in China? Um, uh, what, are, what are your views? I don't have experience with introducing IoT solutions myself, but I see tremendous advantages for offering the type of fast and uncomplicated service that the typical Chinese customer expects. I think that could be really one of the advantages of the Cup and Chino model. That's just what I would like to sell because we all know Chinese customers are very, very demanding, especially when it comes to service or after-sales service. And uh, with the uh, current five-year plan, especially going in the direction of developing online services and online solutions even more than it already is in China, I think that is also a very good selling point. Okay, so, so your impression is that the business culture in China towards a easy to understand, easy to use uh, business model and a payment model would suit uh, the Cappuccino offerings with, with IoT solutions? Absolutely. Okay, okay. I think that is also something uh, as a takeaway uh, for, for you, Sven. Um, in, in terms of the business model, um, Sven, I think you, you already showed also or you, you mentioned it during your presentation that Cappuccino is uh, international markets also able to offer the machine as a, um, um, how, how did you formulate, maybe you can help me a little bit with it, that you give the machines to the cafes and then they pay per brew or pay per cup, as, as, as you mentioned? Um, yes, can you exactly. Can elaborate yes, a little bit? Correct. Yeah, so, uh, so this is basically at the, at the core of the concept. And uh, again, I can, I can share the feedback we're receiving from uh, roasters in, in Europe who very much... Uh, Are, are excited by the idea because this give that gives them end-to-end -end control, making sure that what comes out of the machine is is being paid. Um, this is actually, in terms of the business model, uh, something that that has received great acclaim, and we call it um, well either pay-per-click or pay-per-cup or um, pay-per-portion. And we're basically asking ourselves: Is this something that would receive a similar uh, kind of positive feedback um, in the in the Chinese market because it of, of course it involves um, 
what is good for somebody like Fabian, a roaster, he has the end to end control of the value chain, of the quality, of the consistency, um, and also for a chain owner. But this control, of course, means that the, the data is, is there to be used. And um, so we are basically asking ourselves, is there could there be any reservations um, adopting such a model? Um, as I said, in, in Europe, we've received uh, uh, excellent feedback. It works very well for us in, in, in Germany. And um, yeah, so this is something um, that that we um, we'd, we'd like to put to the to, to the round of experts. Okay, because I think one potential aspect I might think of, um, uh, Fabian, maybe you can also uh, share your opinion on this. The the Chinese cafe chain or owner, like a cafe owner, would not own the machine at the moment, right? He would kind of rent it per per usage. Do you think that might be something that a Chinese business owner is not uh, confirmed with? Um, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely something what needs to be tested. From uh, our experience, of course, if it's a good deal, uh, Chinese people also like it, right? It depends of, they will definitely calculate it. They will see, okay, well, what does it cost me to buy a machine? And they will probably compare to a cheaper machine because in the end of the day, they will see, okay, it's an espresso machine. And if I have a barista and my normal espresso machine, how much does it cost me, etc. But again, I think you just need to, to focus on the right customer and then it um, it doesn't matter because um, the, the normal uh, coffee lover, coffee shop owner, uh, I don't see this as a target customer because he will actually probably invest in the machine and do all this calculation. But it's a completely different way of thinking than someone who will open or has already a chain operation, right? So I think, um, so, so again, a little bit Definitely more focus on tested, the... Right, needs to be tested. And uh, we also rent out machines to people here, so they, they don't need to own everything, right? And then they buy beans in, in a package and so on. Um, yeah, but of course... But in terms of, uh, adding on to that, and in terms of um, sharing, uh, openness to, to sharing the data or making the data available, do you see any reservations in that regard? Uh, so basically, do you mean that the data, they can look at the data, but you also know the data? Yes, exactly. No, I, don't think, I don't think that's an issue at all in China right now because it doesn't matter whatever you want to do with your phone, you have to give all the data anyway. So there's no no option to live in China without doing this. So I don't think there's a big uh, yeah, resentment about this. I think Kerstin is also shaking her head uh, in in terms of the data uh, resentment uh, on the Chinese side. We also have one um, notice from Mike um, towards, I think, the business model um, and, uh, with, with the ownership of the machines, Mike? Uh, you, yeah, you I, actually, uh, Fabian, Fabian already mentioned, I think oh, okay. uh, I'm completely on board with that because I think the first, especially when you attack a market where people are not knowledgeable about coffee, what, what is the market, what I think is there, then obviously they're going to, they, I mean, there's a lot of coffee machines where you press a button and coffee comes out. So now the person who is not knowledgeable about coffee, you have to convince them that's the better coffee than the machine would cost half the price. So that might be, uh, yeah, possibly, I guess that's Fabian's job then to do that. And it's obviously visible that people see that. But uh, I, th I think Fabian already mentioned it. I think that might be the only thing what people will do. They're like, okay, that's cost 50,000 RMB. I can buy one for 20,000 uh, and I just press a button and, you know, it's more simple, etc. I think here only the quality of, uh, like, show them the difference of both beverages 
and put it into their mouth can solve that problem, I guess. Okay, so I think uh, Capuccino, um, th thank you, Mike. So I think Capuccino has a, um, given the opportunities in the market, um, but also a little bit of challenges to test its business model, to test its machines in China. Um, Kerstin, can you maybe share some of your experience with uh, German uh, small and medium-sized companies in China when they adapt their business model and when they test out their business model, maybe also try out their products in China? Can you maybe share some success stories, how, what, what worked in the past? Well, there are quite a few success stories. I don't think I will go into them because I'm afraid that will take up too much time and it yes. is maybe more valuable to just uh, give a, a general idea. First of all, um, China is many markets. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting in Qingdao, Fabian is in Shenzhen, Mike is too. So um, my first advice would be, since we are talking about FNB, would be try it out on Chinese test persons from different places and different backgrounds. You may well have some who like it already, and then they could be the first group of customers, but don't write off the others who have the first sip of coffee and go, ooh, you know, a lot, so many things are just acquired tastes. Yeah, when I first came to China in the mid-90s, most Chinese, really most, would mix Sprite in with wine, both red and white, in order to make it sweeter. And nowadays, you have so many Chinese wine connoisseurs who would not be called dead even thinking about putting Sprite on the same table than wine. So... You know, you can work your way up slowly to adding more groups of consumers. Obviously, you want to start with the ones who already say, oh, great coffee, please. Yeah. But uh, remember that this is a big place. We all know it. And it always sounds trite to say it. I had a professor who advised us against it, saying, I don't want to hear China as a big place. The problem is people think they know it, but we forget what that actually means for business. It means you have a lot of different places where people may have very different preferences to where they drink coffee, how often they drink it. Like Yunnan is a, is a, is a traditional coffee culture. They have very nice coffee beans in Yunnan. So that's, that's really something that, uh, that one should not forget. Once you start, you start with maybe a part of the market first, but you may slowly, slowly, so I think uh, regional specialities and regional different consumer preferences and business habits is definitely something that uh, Sven will, will, will note down from, from, from this uh, webinar and also um, take care of in, in, in China. Um, you, you mentioned also, I think, something that most uh, wine lovers will uh, Uh, probably have a little bit of issues hearing about and now also from the audience uh, when Chinese mix their Sprite with wine. Uh, Fabian, do, do you have any similar experiences with coffee? Maybe a little bit uh, off topic now, but uh, where, where there are um, very experimental or very experiment-friendly uh, Chinese consumers uh, in your cafes and they maybe demand some very strange coffee uh, uh, variations. Do, do, do you get that often? Uh, I think since coffee is is quite new, I mean, for most people in Germany who just had used to, let's say, drink normal coffee every day, like 
coffee with milk or normal uh, filter coffee, normal Americano, the specialty coffee scene by itself is already special for them, right? Like a very highly fermented uh, anaerobic, whatever, natural coffee bean, what tastes almost like, like tea or something, yes? Um, I think this is more adapted in the Chinese, or I would say Asia market. Uh, the Chinese are heavily influenced by Korea and Japan from this perspective, and also more the US and Europe, um, because they're a little bit further ahead with this type of, yeah, especially coffee, this newer development in coffee industry, let's say. Um, but mixing coffee with special things besides that, not really, I would say. Nothing what you don't do in the rest of the world to coffee already. Okay. Um, there, there is one question from Steffi, which is, um, thank you very much, Steffi. Uh, maybe you also want to uh, say it in, in voice or I can read it out. You can read it, it's fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, no, I thought now that you already tuned in, you, you might uh, say it yourself. <laughs> no, my question is whether the machines can also be used uh, in offices, because uh, I've worked for companies um, where we um, had very good coffee machines, actually, and even like uh, on a global basis. So the headquarter decided which um, coffee machines uh, are used. And uh, so I would Sorry, like to Steffi, Yes. Steffi, can you give a little bit of your background? Are you in China right now? Yes, I'm in China. Sorry, yes, I'm in okay. China. Yes. Okay. And, and I'm a, not a heavy coffee drinker, but uh, I uh, experience and trying out a lot. And um, yeah, so my question is whether this can also be used in uh, in companies. No? So, so uh, I think it's a very good question. The uh, the in our offices we do use the machines. Uh, and everybody gets the gets the coffee from the machine. But uh, the, the 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 idea is really to offer a barista served coffee, right? So the the solution and the concept is about um, a, a serve over solution. So it is it is possible, but the the whole the whole way the machine is designed is to have the experience of somebody uh, making the coffee for another person. So. But what we what we have seen is uh, people um, setting up uh, something like a barista bar in an office, right? Yeah. So if yes. you have a, a, exactly. a, a like like yeah. a like an office tower at the maybe high end um, yeah. law firms or whatever, and then at the bottom you could have a barista bar uh, with a machine. So that would be something that exactly. that could be interesting, yeah. Or at least like a pop up, or exactly we have done it like for a couple of weeks, just advertise. Uh, so this is good. Yes, highly appreciated. Good. Thank you for your question, Steffi. I think Kerstin is raising her hand. Mike, you are still raising your hand. Is that from the first question or That's do you also? Okay, oh, then then uh, Kerstin, please. I think uh, definitely looking into companies because that also came into my mind earlier. Um, it's always worth it. Uh, one of the first things that my ex-husband did when he entered his very first job here in China was that he taught the cleaning lady who was also doing the dishes and everything that coffee beans are different from tea in that you cannot reuse them. Like tea leaves here in China, you 
put water at once, you put it twice. That, that's a good coffee story. She was not, was not intentionally making the coffee weaker, but she was just being friendly and trying to save money for the company. And I, re I remember that his colleagues really, really appreciated that he taught her that coffee was a kind of... Um, expensive Western stuff that was not quite as good as tea and that you had to only use it once. So just from that, you know, it's always worth a try. There are certainly enough big companies here, you know, Baidu, Alibaba, who knows? I think that that's a very interesting potential um, yeah, business field for Cappuccino that we didn't uh, spoke a, a lot about yet. Um, and uh, I think in, in Europe, uh, Sven, you're already offering your machines to a variety of different um, business partners and end uh, users. Um, I think I saw on your website, including um, uh, from, from uh, petrol stations over gyms also. Um, so a wide variety of the hospitality sector and um, Mike, maybe we, we can uh, fit that question into, do, is, are there any other sectors apart from hotels that are looking for high-end Western food experiences? And maybe we can combine that a little bit with the, with the coffee experience. Like yeah, next I, I to the hotel uh, sector. Yeah, I think apart from the hotel sector, I think the catering sector in general, um, even like if you go into schools, universities, um, I think okay. uh, catering in general, even factories, they are not just blue-collar workers, but even in blue-collar workers, factories, you actually have people who are asking us if we can have some burgers or hot dogs. So even them, they're trying to provide them uh, something what is different than just rice and with some vegetables. So I think the, the whole factory sector in China is also very interesting uh, to go for schools, There are huge schools where where are like a hungry teacher alone who are all mostly coffee drinkers. Um, what else? I think, uh, like you say, like uh, the petrol stations. I think is very interesting, uh, interesting sector. And then just going into sectors who do not have any food background, but maybe have the capacity because they have the space, but and have the the how to say have have the people, have, have a lot of people yes, in the building. The, the customer contact. Right? Yeah, so they're in the right spot and they think like, oh my God, if I would sell coffee here, that would work pretty well. And a lot of people like trying to use uh, that opportunity. There might be even a ghost shop, uh, you know, like, I don't know, Uniqlo or something. You approach Uniqlo and you bring them a concept and say, okay, listen, mm -hmm. you have thousand stores selling clothes. Why not uh, clear a little corner there and put a guy in who makes fresh coffee and maybe even serve some food. So there's more and more of this hybrid concept yes. uh, popping up. And yeah, like maybe a closed store would be something. So I don't know how much a square meter uh, return on investment is for selling clothes. I might be, that coffee might be a good option to fit into that kind of stores because they're mostly huge. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I can think of, uh, but I'm sure there is a hung with more. Yeah, I think you're, you're giving very valuable points in, in terms like how how eager the Chinese businesses are to differentiate themselves uh, to, to the consumers and how important it is to integrate like new food and beverage uh, models into into the, the, the offerings in order to compete in the market. Um, so I think those are all potential future uh, strong markets for, for uh, coffee solutions. 
uh, with with strong uh, yeah coffee offerings. Um, I want to go back to one question that Alex uh, has has asked a little bit earlier about the ready to drink canned or bottled coffee, and that is of course a little bit maybe off the, the, the barista type coffee is more a form of consumption, maybe casually on the go. Um, Fabian, uh, w where do you see the consumer stand between uh, the, the, what does he want to have from a canned coffee and why does he not opt for a canned bo uh, coffee, but go to a, to a um, yeah, barista style coffee in China? What are the consumer, um, consumer needs for, for the real uh, barista style coffee? Yeah, it's a little bit hard to say since I don't have the uh, statistics in detail, right? Yeah, maybe maybe from your yeah. from yeah, experience. Yeah. But from the feeling, like for sure, there is a lot of uh, ready-to-drink beverages in every in every 7-Eleven and every corner store type of supermarket here. You have um, Starbucks in basically all of this. Uh, they have their products in all of the shelves. We have um, Nescafe, like I think um, long time already. Like they they were everywhere when when I came already. Five years ago, was I ready to drink uh, mostly um, milk coffee mixes, right? Like in different in different types. Um, it's big, but again, I don't know the exact number. But it's also completely different, right? It's like a, that is more an alternative to some some other canned drink, maybe energy drinks or Coca Cola or even uh, all the tea brands you have in this kind of uh, fridge space, right? So I don't think it's a real uh, coffee bean or coffee normal coffee business competitor. It's like an, and, out, a little bit outside of that. Can can you dive a little bit uh, because you also know the coffee market in Europe so well with, with your with your own roastery in the consumer mentality about for which reason do Chinese consumers actually go to the coffee? Is it the pure coffee experience? Is it a socializing aspect? What do you think is uh, more important in in China? Yeah, historically it was. Uh, I mean, they only had instant coffee here, like long time ago, long time before I came. Just Nescafe, just instant everywhere, basically. That was what Chinese people thought is called, oh, three in one, like sugar, milk, and coffee in one product, and then you mix it in hot water. And then Starbucks introduced coffee beans here, basically. Like they uh, opened uh, so many stores and uh, yeah, how it is told, like they invested a lot of time, a lot of money over many years, actually, to build this kind of habit for Chinese people. And it basically was the place Uh, for to to show off kind of it was cool to mm -hmm. walk around with a Starbucks cup etc. So in this way Starbucks did a lot for the coffee industry in general in terms of introducing coffee beans to China right. Um, nowadays it's different reasons. I know so many people who come to our stores every day and just have their coffee in the morning. Like they maybe they have been uh, outside of China or even in China they built this habit in the office. I mean Shenzhen is heavy for the for the software development industry. We are very close to the Tencent building here. And they are basically in two minutes walking, we have maybe 20 coffee shops. It's crazy. Like there's so much demand for uh, the the, off, the white color office workers mm -hmm. who drink coffee like we do, right? And then you have the people in more uh, cool, more hip areas where people go to spend an afternoon. Um, just sit there, bring their notebooks, bring a book, um, take a lot of pictures. It's also very common in China that people go to uh, Western looking style places or like, um, yeah. Things like coffee shops to to take two-hour selfie sessions and drink one coffee. So it's hard to say there's one particular customer. There's like a mix: coffee lovers, people okay. who drink coffee like we do for the effect, plus we like it, and the the ones who just go to stores to have a place to be, right? Instead of uh, yes. whatever other place they can go. 
Okay, so Fabian, you mentioned also that the the trend for coffee consumption is changing very rapidly from only instant over the introduction of um, of Starbucks to to a broader adoption and now to really specialty coffee cafes where where people go to take pictures and uh, also consume the coffee. And Angela Chen um, is, I think, I Angela, I also saw you already in the video. Do you want to put because your question is very tightly related to that? Do you want to, do you prefer to uh, put it forward yourself if you like to? Thank you, Adrian. Hello, everybody. So uh, my question is about localization. So this could be a general question, not uh, typically only for coffee and food and beverage business. So uh, because China market is such a different market compared to the Western, especially in Europe. And I say this as a compliment. You can have a product in Europe and this product can be popular for 100 years and still popular. But in China, it's usually really changing so rapidly. So um, so how do you really do this to 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 catch the the trend to be uh, to to be ahead of everybody before it's too late? Thank you, Angela. Can you maybe give us a little bit of your background? Are you sitting in Europe right now or in China? I'm in China. I work for a German company called. Uh, which you can see from my background, yes. Gustav Wolf. Yes, we produce okay. elevator ropes, which you use everybody. It's the uh, one very essential thing that carries you up and down every day. Yes, of course. And thank you for your question. And I think, uh, Kirsten, uh, as, as you have a lot of experience with uh, new trends also in the Chinese market, um, do, do you want to uh, put uh, answer forward? I can certainly try, even though, even though, of course, as a as an office building, um, we don't have to be quite as much as the um, forefront of innovation as maybe you have to do when you are um, you are an entrepreneur in the F and B field. But that was one of the things that I was thinking about in the beginning when uh, Sven was mentioning that they are considering to add the uh, cream. Top, uh, the cream cheese tops and the milk tops and everything and I was just thinking they will have to keep doing that <laughs> because there are a lot of new trends that come up quickly and if you can catch them that is usually a huge added value for your customers who used your machines um, however since everybody works with coffee machines and with more or less I don't mean to put yours down, but with more or less the same technology, that means it should also not be impossible to incorporate new trends. Yeah, it shouldn't mean that you have to reinvent the coffee machine every five months. In general, the, the real trick to that is simply to have enough people out in the market to look around and to tell you when, a, when something new is coming up, because the Chinese competitors, they will be fast, that's for sure. Thank you, thank you, Kerstin. And um, maybe I can also share a little bit uh, from from the experience that we made with the automated market research, um, as it uh, maybe fits in quite well with with your question. Um, one way, of course, is the field research, the the sampling of products in the Chinese market, um, having questionnaires, uh, observations in in the market, uh, very like the uh, like the classic market research strategies. And then there are some new market research strategies that can also be applied in the Chinese market, which include automated text analysis, where you, you, where you look for specific search words in uh, online conversations. So for example, you can have uh, China Weibo, which is a little bit like the Chinese Twitter and the, the text 
posts and you say I want all the posts from, from a certain time frame that uh, include a certain keyword, for example, coffee. And then you, you can see which other words are closely related to coffee. For example, it could be um, an Americano or a milk combination with coffee. And this way, new trends often can be um, yeah, observed quite well. Um, this needs a little bit of technical uh, preparation as you uh, prepare the keywords that you're looking for. But for example, what uh, Sven already mentioned that the cheese topping is a potential option um, for for the, the cappuccino machines to combine with the coffee. I think that uh, would could be a trend that you can find uh, if it is already happening in China, then you can find it through text analysis and social media posts, um, uh, e-commerce platforms and, and other um, yeah, forms of uh, digital publications. Um, Fabian, you're raising uh, a hand. And we are also ge getting into a very uh, last end of the um, uh, webinar. So I hope, um, yes, we, we, we uh, can find a good closing also. Uh, okay, yeah, just my, my, my quick thing to this. Uh, I think uh, the trends there, there are so many trends what pop up. Uh, I know them, of course, especially for the coffee industry. So you have every worldwide trend gets quickly adapted in China. If it's, for example, uh, selling frozen cold brew coffee online so basically you get a frozen cold brew delivered in a, in a liquid like frozen liquid but it's basically then uh like in good instant coffee you can say you just heat it up add some hot water to it and then you have this kind of coffee i think for cappuccino though since it is a um it's b2b based and the fundamentals of the coffee machine didn't change in forever it's basically an upgrade of how to make coffee beans into a cup um, and then if you add uh, different uh, products demanding to the market, if they have a new, whatever, now it's this cheese top, it's also not so new anymore, it's also a couple of years already, but if this kind of trend's happening, it's basically not even uh, our or Cappuccino's, uh, I think, task to try to innovate the market in this way, because there we have no chance in China. Like there are so many ideas and so many people try this every day, right? So um, it's basically enabling the, our B2B customers to have a better product for their B2C customers. So I think in this way, we don't have to follow every trend, at least for us in the coffee industry. Um, it's a little bit um, yeah, less relevant, I, I feel. Thank you, Fabian. Very unique point. Uh, thank you, Krista, and thank you, Adrian. So can I take one more minute? Uh, I have another question. Um, so, well, the, the time I think we, we wanted to end towards 10.30. So Neville is, uh, I think, also eager to uh, come up with a closing statement. Um, maybe it's possible to send us the question after the event by email. I think Neville will also, uh, so, sorry, Angela. Um, I think Neville will also um, mention how we can share the, the um, recorded material from today's um, webinar. So um, I would give over to a closing statement uh, sure, due to sure. time. Sorry, yeah. um, uh, over no to clo for a closing statement to Neville. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your participation. Yeah. Neville? I think yes, you... I'm here. Okay. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I thought thanks for that. Be... Yeah. So just a quick, thanks for that very vivid discussion. It was very informative. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I've put up now these QR codes of the panel so you can get in touch with them. Uh, there will be a recording of this event on YouTube. 
Uh, I'd also like to introduce another informative China team venture, the China Hot Pod podcast hosted by Xiaolong Hu, who you can see on, in, on the right-hand side, where he discusses topics in depth with experts in Germany and China, providing tailor-made solutions. Uh, it, it is in, 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 it, it's a German podcast, so I won't understand it because I, my German is very, very poor. Um, I'm Neville J. McKenzie, and you can find me on LinkedIn or you can drop a line on China Team. And just a quick note on our next um, webinar. Uh, the next webinar is scheduled for the 19th of August and is titled Successful People Development in Sino-German Organizations. Um, so you can follow us on China Team on LinkedIn to get updates. And remember to tell your friends and colleagues that um, you've found the discussion here very interesting. So that's the end of the webinar. I'm sorry to have to end it so abruptly, but it, it was a very interesting topic and we hope to bring you more. Thanks. Thank you. And Neville, one question. Where can we find the link to the YouTube uh, recording? Uh, the, you, I'll, I'll post that on LinkedIn. Yeah, that would be posted on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I'll try and do it as soon as possible. Yeah. But we have um, we have the details of the the members, so we should be able to send a direct email to with the details of the YouTube recording. Then thank you Thanks. also very much uh, for participation. Uh, of course, for the panel experts from my side, thank you very much for your input. I hope there, or I'm sure there were a lot of takeaways also for Cappuccino in terms of the Chinese market. And um, wish all the best success uh, to Cappuccino in the Chinese market. And uh, thank you for all participants. And uh, yeah, it was great to see you. Thanks. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Thank you. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a good day.